Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom and Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host this evening for the Gifts of Freedom, coming to you over the World Wide Web. I want to remind you that these programs are archived and available for free at iTunes at www.blackhistoryuniversity.com. Hello, Hello, this is Joseph Haynes Davis. This is Leslie Gibbs. I am more than enthusiastic about having you uh, on the show. Uh, you have an extensive bio. Could you uh, give us a little snippet of your um, your background? All right, well, uh, academically, you know, I mean, I'll start with that. I mean, academically, mm-hmm. I went to uh, Illinois State University undergrad. I have my master's in social work from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, I have my uh, law degree from Rutgers Law School, Camden, New Jersey. Uh, my master's thesis was a uh, paper and a video documentary on uh, black male juvenile delinquency, a struggle for manhood and identity. And my, uh, uh, I guess you would call it, uh, law school thesis was on uh, the birth of low-power FM radio, so-called micro-radio. That was back in uh, 95, 96. Uh, I grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois. Uh, I am the younger half-brother of Trumpeter Miles Davis. I'm a practicing attorney here in Orlando, Florida. I'm a 30-year black radio broadcaster and journalist. I was the the year 2000 Billboard Radio and Records Award winner for the Assistant Program Director of the Year. I was the number one DJ in Philadelphia during out, d- d- throughout the 80s and part of the 90s at Power 99 FM in Philadelphia. I was one of the first DJs in America to play hip-hop on a commercial outlet. It was myself and Lady B, who was still in Philadelphia. I was the first one, and she might dispute this, but I remember the day. I was the first one to play Public Enemy on public on on commercial radio, and I used radio to work myself, work my way through undergrad, started out at an NPR station in uh, Normal, Illinois, at WGLT doing jazz, but I used radio to work myself through undergrad, graduate school, and law school, and now I I do uh, right of center talk periodically with 1210 WPHT in Philadelphia. I also had a 
political talk show here on WEUSAM uh, called Constitutionally Speaking. Uh, and I do uh, commentary, analysis. I was one of the legal analysts on uh, MSNBC during the Zimmerman trial. Uh, I also covered the Zimmerman trial for Ebony.com and, of course, my political blog, constitutionally-speaking.com. That is more than extensive. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, let's talk about this video um, that was released by Russell Simmons, and you posted a very interesting comment. Start by explaining the video and then what you wrote uh, in regards well, to the video. You, why don't you... Why, why, why don't you, do, do you have what I wrote in front of you? I have, I do not because I'm manning the switchboard. Okay, no problem, so no problem, no problem. All right, well, 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 well let's, let's talk about this within a rational context as opposed to an emotional context suggesting that Russell Simmons uh, should think like, all black Americans or this allegation that all black Americans should have this monolithic, uh, homo homogeneous collective thinking. Let's first talk about it within the context of that is not true. So as a result, that's a fiction from the beginning anyway. And at the, at the uh, instance and attempt for full transparency, uh, I have uh, known Russell since the 80s when I played his records, and in particular Public Enemy, on my radio show. Uh, Russell Simmons also introduced uh, Easy Moby to my brother Miles Davis, and Easy Moby did the work and the production on Miles Davis's last Warner Brothers album before he passed called Doobop. Uh, so I'm very familiar with Russell. Russell, uh, you know, he knows me, although he may not remember me until he sees me, and I talk to him, and then he'll remember me, because I'm sure uh, he's met uh, billions of people since I last saw him, which was at Miles' birthday party in 1991, obviously his last <laughs> birthday party. Okay. Now, the video itself, is protected First Amendment satire. That's what it is. It is a free speech element, and it is satire. What is the satire? It satirizes uh, the life and the legacy of the late Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman is a public figure in American lore, and in particular, in black American lore, and even more particular, she is an icon in black American life because of the Underground Railroad, her ability to help black Americans to freedom during the dark period of slavery which was constitutionally protected uh, in this country uh, by and through the Constitution and 
reaffirmed in 1857 by and through the Dred Scott v. Sanford Supreme Court decision. Okay, so basically the video satirizes that, and the video, in my opinion, also reinforces the depiction of the frivolous, nebulous, scared, soft <clears throat> image of a black American male. Because in that video, the black male is hiding in a closet with a video camera, video videotaping the alleged encounter between the woman portraying the late Miss Tubman and the man portraying the slave owner having buck wild sex. In fact, one scene shows Ms. Tubman, the person portraying Ms. Tubman, sodomizing the uh, slave owner, which in a subtle way uh, masculizes, if that is indeed a word, Mrs. Tubman, Ms. Tubman. And it also shows that the black man hiding in the closet did not come to her rescue, although part of the video implies that she enjoyed what she was doing. So basically I wrote that it would be, because it is social commentary, because it is, it is social commentary, but because it is social commentary, my comment was that the video would have had much more social impact for black Americans and across racial lines if the black American male depicted as hiding in the closet with a video camera taping the depicted rape in exchange for freedom would have emerged with a Smith & Wesson M&P-15X semi-automatic so-called assault-style weapon and fire off about 50 rounds from a 100-round magazine into the slave master allegedly raping the Tubman character as depicted in the video. Now, that would have set forth a discussion worthy of even more analysis from a social, historical, and First Amendment constitutional perspective. Trust me, that depiction and version would have been worth viewing during prime time and would have sent a very strong message as to any symbolism and present-day social commentary and would have affirmed a strong black American male image as opposed to one hiding in a closet making a video of the depicted rape in exchange for freedom. That's what I wrote. And I also tagged it with, oh, yes, it would have also added a frank discussion about the Second Amendment to the commentary as well and would have focused upon the racist rape control. Now, that was my full view of this satire. That's what brought us to this interview because it is satire. I have okay, subsequently you... post. Uh, go right in. All right, let's let's just back up just a little bit. You mentioned you had some um, interactions uh, professionally as a DJ with with um, Mr. Russell Simmons. Explain to the audience how you felt he was socially conscious when he worked with um, uh, Public Enemy. So go back well, to his involvement the, the, with the Public Enemy. Here's the bottom line, okay? 
you know, basically, Mr. Simmons was partner in the record company with uh, Lear Cohen. Okay? So, if one remembers the Public Enemy video by the time I get to Arizona, in that instance, Public Enemy, by and through the visual medium of a music video, made social commentary on the fact that at the time, Arizona did not acknowledge the King holiday. At the time, they had a governor named Governor Edwin Meekham. So in the video, Public Enemy came to Arizona, bum-rushed the governor in his office, and basically executed him for not allowing for the King holiday. That created social outcry. It created social outcry from not only white American citizens and politicians, but also the usual suspects uh, who are the self-appointed, self-anointed, non-elected, narcissistic crew that we all know as the so-called black American leadership. And what I, what I mean by all of this is that art and freedom of speech is to is supposed to shock the social consciousness from time to time of American citizens. That's part and parcel that that goes with amendment number 1. The second instance that I uh, spoke to you about uh, Miss Leslie prior to this interview was the public enemy uh video called Hazy Shade of Criminal whereby in that video it was depicted a bunch of slaves, American, black American slaves, in a slave market being whipped by a slave master, getting ready to be sold. And in that instance, Slave of Flav poisons the slave master to free the slaves, and there was again outrage. So it seems as though that when, in my opinion, black American male, positive affirmation in terms of coming to the rescue of either the culture of black females and using lethal force to come to the rescue is oftentimes criticized even by the so-called black leadership uh, that, uh, you know, nowadays amounts to too many names to even name on this show. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I am I, I, I'm bringing in the context of what I'm talking about from a historical standpoint as opposed to, and, and critical, but not to criticize Russell Simmons for exercising his First Amendment right. I think that in the past, having been associated with the label Death Jam and having had Public Enemy on the label, Mr. Simmons... Uh, quote-unquote, black card is very solid. This particular uh, endeavor has shot the consciousness of some folks. 
uh, and uh, as a result, uh, created what I believe he wanted to create anyway, which is conversation about him and his new venture, uh, whatever uh, that video, you know, deaf video or whatever it's called now. Okay? So that's okay. basically so when, when, my position you know, on the matter. Could you just explain to the audience why you say his black card is still intact? You know, how did he earn his black card? Well, he was born black American in this country. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, you have, don't you think your black card is intact? Of course, but um, I was okay. hoping that so, you would so say something to the mass incarceration, yeah, you know, yeah, the things yeah, that yeah, he's done. Is, no, 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 no. This, this is what I'm saying. This is more important to me as a commentator. I sometimes reject when other black Americans uh, suggest that someone is less black than them because they've taken a position that they object to. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to sit here and call out any black American and suggest that I'm any way blacker than them just because I think a certain way. I'm making the suggestion that Russell Simmons' black card is intact not only because he's a black American male, he's a successful black American male, uh, he has run this company, he's had artists that have spoken to the black youth, and the black community for years. I have and will continue and will always disagree with Mr. Simmons on some level. Just like uh, Miss Leslie, I might disagree with you or I might disagree with your producers. I might disagree with the President of the United States, and I often do. I definitely disagree oftentimes with uh, his Attorney General. I disagree with the leadership of the NAACP periodically and so forth. That does not make me less black. There are times I disagree with Clarence Thomas. That doesn't make me less black. So that's the point I made or I was trying to make in terms of his black card being intact because when he looks in the mirror, you would have to be blind not to see that he is black American. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. We have the right to disagree with one another as black folks. And for some reason, it seems as though um, if you're black, you have to agree on every level with every topic. But I appreciate you uh, bringing that out that we have to. Yeah, because I reject that. Because, for instance, for instance, I am a fire-breathing, strong, Second Amendment black American male. I don't walk out the house unless I'm armed to the hill every single day. I support stand your ground every single day because if some bigot, if some skinhead, neo-Nazi, or any other criminal of any racial makeup tries to impose their will upon me on the streets of any town inside the jurisdiction of Florida, I refuse to retreat before I load them up with hollow points from any one of my six handguns that I own. And for okay. the and for the uh, uh, Attorney General to say to the NAACP that, quote-unquote, we have a duty to retreat 
when under attack as black Americans, I find that objectionable and reprehensible. Okay, well, I appreciate your take on the tenure ground. And the last question before we close, um, how would you, you know, some people say if you combine tenure grounds with the Voting Rights Act being repealed and the mass incarceration, that the culmination of these three are bringing us back to the 1850s with the Fugitive Slave Law and the Dred Scott decision. What's your take on that? I reject that. Do you want me to elaborate? Of course I want you to elaborate. Okay, okay. Here we go. Simply because the fact of the matter is gun control itself was instituted to keep guns out of the hands of folk that look like you and me. That is the only reason why gun control is in the, began in this country. Each and every time gun control has been applied, it has been targeted at black Americans, whether it be during uh, before emancipation, for instance, see the Louisiana Black Codes of 1806. I always tell people, see the Louisiana Black Codes of 1806 and get back to me. Then see the statutes post-Reconstruction, also known as Jim Crow, get back to me. See the legislation of gun control post-1968 and the riots when they were directed at the Black Panthers affirming their Second Amendment rights and get back to me. That's why I reject it, because I set forth to every black American, for instance, Amendment Number 13, which abolished slavery, is that amendment absolute? Well, Amendment Number 13 is subject to uh, Congress. Congress passed Amendment 13. So if Amendment Number 13 is not absolute, what allows black Americans to make sure it's absolute? It's amendment number two. Because then the question becomes, if someone tried to repeal amendment number 13, would you take up arms to make sure you stayed free? For me, the answer is yes, because I refuse to have and stand by to see any part of any right eroded and infringed upon, given the fact that we were once considered chattel. We are descendants. We are the descendants of human beings that were once considered to be equal to a chair or a cup that could be bought and sold. That is my answer, and I, I'm humbled by the opportunity to be interviewed by you. Well, I'm I'm so grateful that you took this, uh, you know, took me up on my invitation at such a short notice, and um, I will have you back on if you will, on the show. And could you just give your contact information out one more time? Sure, I can be followed on Twitter at Savad Media, 
That's basically Davis spelled backwards. It's S-I-V-A-D Media at Twitter. I can also be followed on Twitter at uh, Con underscore Speaking at Twitter. I can also, uh, my blog is constitutionally-speaking.com. That's constitutionally dash, or some folks call it a hyphen, speaking.com. That is my political blog. And, of course, Joseph Haynes Davis at Facebook, or the law offices of Joseph Haynes Davis, TA at Facebook, and constitutionally speaking at Facebook. Uh, Because I blog a lot on political issues, uh, and uh, uh, like I tell folks, I ain't for everybody. However, uh, I'm not going to lie to you about statutes and the history uh, of how we were treated uh, and still are treated under this Constitution of this country. Well, again, thank you uh, for coming on, and um, I'll have you back on if if you will accept my invitation. And have a good night, and we'll talk more about the Zimmerman case the next time we speak. All right, no problem. I'll holler at you. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.